Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 12. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thank you, Chancel Choir and Kathy and our guest organist today, Rebecca Hoffner-Camp. David is off for a few days, and uh, we appreciate Rebecca coming to, to help us out. Two weeks from today's Easter Day, the highest and holiest day of the Christian year. We can catch glimpses of it from here. But alas, the Lenten journey continues. There are no shortcuts. There are no detours around Holy Week as much as some folk would like to skip that. And that's okay. Lent is not all gloom and all denial. It's a time for introspection, a time for us as individuals and families and the church family to answer the question That is our theme for 2022 during Lent at Noonan First United Methodist Church. And our question is simply, what are you up to? What are you up to? We began on Ash Wednesday by considering whether we're up to storing up treasures on earth. Treasures on earth are vulnerable to the many forces of less than stellar intent. Heavenly treasures are safe always. The first Sunday in Lent focused on building up a foundation. Andrew preached to us and especially to our confirmands that day about the importance of building a life, a life of faith on a solid foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. And on the second Sunday in Lent we listened in on a conversation, we eavesdropped so to speak, a conversation about whose side Peter was on. I was asking the questions and making the statements, and he made it clear. Jesus was asking questions, making statements, and made it clear that you're on my side, Peter, or, or you're not. And if we're on the side of Jesus, then we are to take up our cross and follow him wherever he might lead us. And who knows where that might be. The third Sunday in Lent had to do with a confrontation between Not always gentle Jesus, we like to think of him that way, but not always gentle Jesus, and some religious authorities who were devoted to protecting the temple and the temple way of worship and their pattern of doing things. And to that, Jesus said, destroy the temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. And he was referring to himself, not referring so much to a building that took 46 years to construct. That's a long time. The fourth Sunday in Lent last week was Music Sunday, and we talked about being tuned up. And if you weren't here last Sunday, goodness gracious, you missed it. The 
transo choir and the orchestra. And David and his crew were just amazing. And find it online if you haven't heard it yet. Listen to it. Listen to it again and again. This place was filled with the praise of God. And for today, the fifth Sunday in Lent, our theme is to lift up. And we turn our attention for a little while now to what I hope will be an uplifting theme for all of us. The gospel lesson from John 12 begins with Jesus speaking of his suffering and death that is to come and words that appear to be devoid of any fear or of anxiety. He's just stating this. It's not like he's trembling and can barely get the words out. He said, now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this hour that I have come into this world. Father, glorify your name. In John's gospel, the will of God and the will of Jesus, the way he lived his life here, have always been the same. There's no internal struggle with Jesus as he prepares to face his death. He recognizes the hour is the ultimate purpose of his authority. That's why he was sent. That's why he's here. And it's an important revelation of his relationship with God. Remember, we've talked about that in John's gospel recently, that in John's gospel, Jesus is the Christ from above. He's in charge. He's, he's not facing it like the other gospels describe it. There's a real difference here. And after Jesus had prayed, Father, glorify your name, a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The appropriateness of Jesus' prayer is confirmed by the voice from heaven. The past, present, future of God's self-revelation are brought together in this verse. The publicly audible answer to Jesus' prayer testifies to God's involvement in what's going on in this sacred hour. And then there is the, for lack of a better term, the interesting response of the crowd to the voice of God. Some said it had thundered. Others said it was an angel. And it might be important to note that thunder was a common religious symbol or expression for the voice of God back in the days when Scripture was being compiled. Read through the book of Psalms over and over again. The voice of God is compared to the thunder, a sound in the heavens that folks didn't understand as we somewhat understand today. Angels were messengers. They heard the voice of God. Was it thunder? It was the voice of God? Was it one of God's messengers? And that they recognized there was some sort of epiphany going on, some kind of revelation, the curtain being drawn back and some exciting things, new things, changing things being revealed in this passage in this hour. In verse 30, underscore that this is indeed what the crowd had missed. The voice has come, Jesus said, not for your sake, for your sake, not for mine. Listening to the voice of God. We read a devotional from someone in a former church the other day about the voice of God, how difficult it is to hear sometimes. Compared it to a sporting event with the Music and the voices blaring on the speaker and the coaches and the fans and everything. It's so many loud voices. Be intentional about the voice of God. For today, Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The double meaning of lifted up is at play here. Lifted up from the earth could be read 
as a description of the physical act of crucifixion, actually raised up off the ground, raised up from the earth. But it can also be thought about as a way to express Jesus' exaltation, all that was to come, uplifting literally in his return to God. And the positive effect of Jesus' hours described in sweeping terms, draw all people. Make God's love known to all folks, and it highlights the universal offer of salvation. It's our response that limits things, not God's grace, not God's love for all people. And in the grand scheme of things, Jesus' crucifixion and his ascension back into heaven, the resurrection, all those are of ultimate importance. And I would never try to minimize those things. That's why we've talked about them up to this point. But what I want us to do now for just a few minutes is to think about lift up or lifting up in terms of our life in this world. How does that apply to us? What do you think about when you hear that expression, being lifted up? How does it involve our everyday stuff? Lift, according to the dictionary, to hold up, to support, to display a portion of the definition anyway. And we would substitute, or we used to substitute, or I would, maybe you did too, the word lift for some other words, like the word ride. Said, Bubba, if you're going to town this morning, I sure could use a lift. This old beater of mine broke down again. Truth be told, the old beater wasn't broken down. It was just out of gas, and Bubba was too sorry to get up off the porch and do anything about it. But it seems like there have always been lifters and liftees in this world, and sometime maybe we've played both of those roles. I hope that we can all recall times when we have been lifted up. And it may have been years ago, it may have been yesterday, somebody came along and they lifted us up physically or financially or emotionally or spiritually, lifted us up in prayer perhaps. And I also hope we can remember those times in our life when we've had the privilege of lifting others up, physically or financially or emotionally or spiritually, lifting them up in prayer. Great privilege, but it can be an aggravation, can it? I mean, most of us are so busy or so stressed out or so tired or so afraid or so put out with folks who just seem to get themselves in one mess after another. And we know some of those folk, and some of them find their ways into our family trees, and it's, they really do. And uh, it's difficult, isn't it, to say, we're going to lift this person up again. We're going to pray for them. We're going to give things to them that hopefully will help them and not hurt them. It can, be, it can be difficult, can it? And it reminds me a little bit of the story of the Good Samaritan. I thought maybe I'd read it again. I said, no, I think most folks know that story or are familiar with parts of it anyway. And one of the points that we often miss in the story that I missed for a long time and still don't think about all the time is that the man who was robbed and beat up and left on the side of the road for dead was a real, what's a kind way of saying it, he's a real dummy who made decisions without going to the bother of thinking. Any child in that day, from the time they were able to walk and talk, would have been told by their parents in that area, whatever you do, don't ever go down that road by yourself. And they used to travel in groups, and men up front, 
women and children in the middle, men in the back. Now, there are some strong, capable women who could have been in the front and back too, but that's just the way they, they did things. And to travel down that road by yourself was just foolishness. There were caves, there are caves along that road, and in those caves used to dwell zealots and firebrands and revolutionary kind of folks who were there to overthrow Rome. And as a lot of folks know, being a revolutionary or a zealot doesn't pay very well, so they needed money. And they would come down and rob the folks who were up and down on that road. And that's where the robbers usually came from, we think. And this guy, to travel down that road by himself, made a bad mistake. So he was attacked. He was stripped. He was whipped. And he was left for dead. And two religious types passed him by before a dreaded Samaritan came along, the Samaritan. You sure you want to be saved by a Samaritan? And he stopped all for assistance. And luckily for the victim, this Samaritan had his first aid merit badge, and he knew something about cleaning and bandaging. And then he lifted him up. This man who had made the terrible mistake of going down the road by himself, he lifted him up, put him on the donkey, and took him where he could be cared for. And hopefully the one who was beat up and picked up and fixed up, the one who was lifted up, had an attitude adjustment about his future travel plans and was a little more careful. I'm thinking now of some of the things that lift me up day by day. Some short term, some for the long haul. And it's funny, or maybe it's not funny, the first thing that came to my mind was coffee. Too much blood in my caffeine stream, and I don't do so well. But time with Mickey and time with our family and time with friends, all those things lift me up. And I know there are some folk in this world who are practiced in the art of putting others down. But thanks be to God, most of the folks that I'm privileged to spend time with are experts in the art of lifting up. And so many of you, by your written words and your spoken words and your words of encouragement, your gestures of gratitude and generosity have lifted my heart up more times than I can tell you. And I'm so grateful. And I can't convey that with my feeble words. And then just being in worship. Worship is always a pick-me-up for me. It's always a lift-up in a world that'll put you down. A week without a Sunday would lead to an inevitable collapse in my life. And a life without worship would cause me to implode or explode. I'm not sure which is the worst. Worship as a lifter-upper in good times and in difficult times. And I'm thinking of the times when this place is packed out for a memorial service or a wedding. So in times of great sorrow and in times of great joy, we're able to come together and lift one another up and walk with one another through our worst times and our best times. Worship is not magic. Worship is connection with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the God and Father of us all. Worship is communion with the one who is and the one who is to come. Worship is comfort in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Worship, even when it doesn't meet all of our expectations, can still be uplifting and can get us through.
what or who lifts you up? And allow me to make a suggestion. You can take this or leave it, of course. If you're thinking of a who lifts you up, why not find some way to let that person know that this week, whether you call them or face-to-face, -face, I guess is best, or handwritten notes are still good, or emails or texts or some form of social media. Just keep it short and simple. One line will probably do. Just say, thanks for the lift. And in doing this, you might lift up the lifter. It's not a strenuous kind of thing. After all, Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. And I, when I am lifted up, will draw all persons, men and women, to myself. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, lifted up. And we're all on this Lenten journey together. Don't do it by yourself. Don't go down that road by yourself. Just look around before you leave and ask, anyone need a lift? Amen.